Hello again, everyone, for 411 Wrestling Podcast interviews. I am Jerry Strauss. Guys, we have got a very exciting conversation ahead of us today. I'm going to be helming uh, some conversations with some of the most fascinating, popular, exciting, and most in-demand personalities from pro wrestling's past, present, and future. Uh, we're going to be doing it right here on 411 uh, Wrestling Podcasts because right now our very first guest here, one of your favorites from Tuesday Nights Live, from pay-per-view, from WWE, from the big screen, from just about every freaking where you could think of, CJ Perry, known to many of you as Lana. Hey, how are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm sorry. I feel like I steamrolled over you with that intro. I laid it on a little thick. I'm sorry. It's what we do. No, it was great. It was great. We could have added, like, the ravishing Russian Lana, but it's fine. I'll forgive you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. I mean, you, we do do-overs here. If you want, we could do, like, the Greg Hamilton thing. You could have me do it over four or five times. We'll get it right. We'll get there. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll forgive you. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, what is going on in your world now? We're a couple of weeks removed from WrestleMania, the craziness, the insanity. Um, First of all, for those following you on social media, you've been out and about. You've been all up in uh, Coachella this year from the looks yeah. of things. What was yes. that experience like, and it, how long were you there? Um, it was insane. It was a lot. Um, Coachella was always on my bucket list. Like I have a whole bunch of like I have a basically a bucket list of things I want to do in my life, just like personally, like experiences that I want to do. If it's like going to Coachella or traveling to Thailand, um, or you know, there's skydiving. There's so many different things. Getting certified and scuba diving. I want. I, I love scuba diving, but I want to get certified. And there's just like a list of things that I have a bucket list of what, what I want to do that is just like experiencing life and I think as um as a performer and as an entertainer someone that works in um this crazy entertainment business and it's really good to you know set things like this to do that are normal and to experience normality because you know you need to live life and also a lot of times normal experiences experiencing life and its beauty will help you become a better artist entertainer and athlete and um so I, that's why i like that sometimes it's really hard for me to just to take a pause though because i love working um but it it was great i can't wait to go back Coachella's insane there's a lot of people like when they say i was forewarned by everyone every single one of my friends that has done it they're like there's so many people Uber and Lyft is like craziness. Um, you're going to walk a lot and still be like all of that, being prepared for that, still didn't really prepare me enough for it. Like you're literally walking five miles before you can catch an Uber or a Lyft. It's wow. insane. And when they say thousands of people, that's an understatement as well. Like more like hundreds, a thousand. Uh, but it's great. It's I, I really want to go back. I want to bring Rusev. Um, or aka Miroslav, my husband. Um, um, but I like I have to go first and scout out the land. I'm like legit his manager in life, and not just um, ringside, <laughs> but like mm -hmm. his legit manager. Um, so like I have to go first and experience it, and you know, uh, work out all the kinks, and um, before I can take him, because with him it has to be smooth sailing. Like he wouldn't have been able to do what I did this year. Like just it was insane. But it was great. It was great. And I can't wait. I actually want to go back like in two weeks from now because we have a weekend off in WWE No Live events in two weeks. And I'm like, let's go to Stagecoach. <laughs> oh we both love country music. So, like, let's go to Stagecoach. It's going to be the first neon party ever. And he's just looking at me like I'm insane. But I'm still trying to convince him. Like, if I get um, artist tickets, will you go? <laughs> but he so likes great. to play video games. I know. Yeah, well, but I mean, that seems kind of natural. I mean, just the, all the things that we hear about being part of WWE during WrestleMania season and especially WrestleMania week and especially WrestleMania week in New York and the Jersey area, the way it was this year. I mean, it sounds like it had to have been exhausting just being 
in that atmosphere, let alone having places to be and people to see, what was it like for you compared to, say, the past few WrestleMania years? This past, like, um, this WrestleMania compared to all the other WrestleMania? Yeah, just sort of the, the craziness of everything going on in New York City and the area. Gosh, I love WrestleMania so much. Like every year is it's so exciting. And the cool thing about WrestleMania is that we do have it in different cities. So it really does have a different vibe, really completely a different vibe. Um, I would say just for like cities alone, like I'm not talking about like actual, like what I'm doing at WrestleMania, but just like comparing like the WrestleMania city vibes and the arenas. Um, I would say my favorite so far is New Orleans and New York City, for sure. Mm. Um, New Orleans is one of my favorite American cities. It has so much culture. It has so much to go on, so much happening. Bourbon Street is so much fun. Then you can go out to like, you know, the Gators and do a Gator tour, a ghost tour, or, you know, you have so much history. Um, and it's just such easy to walk everywhere. And I really, really like that it's warm. Um, the Superdome is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but then New York City is, I mean, it's New York City. I mean, that's also one of my favorite American cities. There's so much going on. There's, you know, so much history there. We went, I went, my family came, we went to the Statue of Liberty. Um, pretty much every night I ate at um, my favorite Russian restaurant, which is called Merivana. And I literally went there every single night. I'm like, hey, I really am Russian. <laughs> I grew up in Russia and I have my Russian cravings. It's, if you're in New York City, you got to try it out. It's called Medivana. It's the best Russian food you'll ever have. And it's just, it, you feel like you're going to Russia. And the, like the way they set it up and everything. Um, and then, you know, you're ha it's met by stadium. I mean, talk about history that's there. I mean, so much history. It's epic. And it's just really, really cool. I was. I always like to go um, on Sunday, um, the day of WrestleMania, and just sit in the stadium and like look out and look at the set and look, you know, just look at the how many people are going to sit there. It's huge. And just always gratitude really, really fills my heart um, because I've been able to be in um, every single WrestleMania except for, I believe, 2017, which was right before my um, in-ring debut. And so they kept me off, like Rusev was getting surgery, and I um, was making the transition from being a full-time manager to a full-time in-ring competitor. And so they were starting my vignettes the following day. So I've been very, very fortunate to have everything, like to be in every mania since I've debuted. And you know, that it's an honor. Not everyone ha gets to be able to say that or do that. And um, I've, you know, was able to have an incredible, incredible entrance before women had incredible entrances, um, besides Stephanie McMahon. Um, I was able to come out in 2015 um, at the 49ers stadium with literally entire army and Rusev on a tank. I mean, most, <laughs> I mean, even at that, I'm like, God, I, I you know, I, I pretty much, you know, a lot of people will never get that. So to be able to have that and then to be able to debut at, um, at the, um, is it the, I believe it's the Levi's Stadium. Is that the Dallas Cowboys Stadium? Sounds right. Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, no, eight, so. no, AT. Levi is, I want to say, the um, 49ers Stadium. And the AT&T is the oh. Dallas, uh, yeah, AT&T Stadium, which is Ugh. phenomenal as well. I mean, that stadium, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, the AT&T Stadium is absolutely will mind like blow you like how incredible that stadium is and I was able to have my wrestling debut there in front of a record-breaking amount of people at 101,000 people and so that obviously has a very very special place in my life and heart and um then last year we had the first ever women's battle royal and it was at the Superdome which I'm um I remember in 2014 actually watching Wrestlemania there like watching um Brock uh beat Undertaker with Paul Heyman and I remember watching it from the crowd and basically being the only person standing up the scream out of excitement everyone's devastated crying I'm like yes um <laughs> uh, so to be able to come I always wanted to um, perform there but it was the next day we were debuting with Rusev um in New Orleans and so it was really cool to be able to be a part of the first ever women's battle royal at 
at the Superdome last year. And then this year I was able to do two things. And a lot of people don't get to do that. They either wrestle or they manage. And I was able to be a part of the women's battle Royal, you know, eliminate, have an upset and mm-hmm. eliminate Ember Moon. You know, people are always underestimating me, always thinking like, you know, always, always, always underestimating. And it's like, you know what? I eliminated one of your favorite people and one of the top in-ring competitors out there. So watch out. Don't underestimate me and, or underestimate me. Maybe that's my superpower. And, <laughs> do you, um, do, CJ, do you exciting. like that at, at this stage of the game? Is that something that excites you? Just this place where you are, where people know what a great, what a great personality you are. They love seeing you on TV but you still have that level of where, where people underestimate what you can do in the ring. So they don't necessarily, you don't have to always constantly fight, uh, you know, to uphold a certain standard. Instead, you're in a position where you're constantly able to surprise people and kind of turn them on their heads and just show people that you're capable of more than they think. Is that a cool place to be for you? Oh, yes. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it because people don't realize like every, you know, every single week, three times a uh, week, I'm wrestling at live events. And I wrestle, you know, for about, I would say at least a year, every three days a week um, at live events as a heel, as a villain at live events. And then I was a baby face, a good guy for about six, seven months wrestling every single week. And, um, and so just because people didn't see it on TV, I was getting, I was getting those reps. I was wrestling with these girls that are on TV on SmackDown live. And, you know, I feel a, a lot more confident than when I first debuted and I felt comfortable. And it's just like, you know, just give me that chance. Give me that one. When that opportunity comes, like, I know I'll pick it out of the, uh, of the park and I'll prove all my doubters wrong. And I love that. And doubt me, underestimate me, please. Like, go ahead. You know, I, I got to ask you, many of the questions that we got uh, were, they echoed something that I've been curious about. And I wasn't sure if it's just because I'm kind of an old guy and I didn't get it and I don't know what it means. But you have just been exploding on social media over the last month or two with this salty hashtag. You've been using it as much as possible. What does salty, what does that refer to? What does that mean? Well, I, I strongly believe in grabbing the brass ring from social media, from Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all your our social platforms, social platforms where we you know, basically have freedom of speech. You know, we have this is, you know, in, in the United States of America and a lot of parts of the world, we have the, the, the great thing that we have is this thing called freedom of speech. And we're able to voice our freedom of speech on social media. And when I turned um, right up the, the Royal Rumble, um, Rusev and I became villains again, aka heels or whatever we are referring to it here um, on this podcast. Um, and I was uh, um, aware of this about for about two weeks or uh, at least a week beforehand. And going into the um, Royal Rumble, I knew like what was going to be the whole outcome of the whole situation. And um my whole idea was of it was to be so broken that so broken that I when I, when Becky Lynch took my opportunity when I got hurt and still trying to push through and you know making it very very vulnerable and making it very you know that's why if you watch the dot com um, that I did I was just I broke down crying saying you know I'm tired of people taking opportunities away from me and I think that's very relatable a lot of people can relate to that getting so close to something and then it being taken away from them or feeling like they're not given the opportunities that they they should be given and I wanted this to show that vulnerability and the heartbreak because then what happens in life there's different types of people from heartbreak sometimes people choose to do the right thing and they're going to choose to forgive and be grateful and do the right thing or sometimes from heartbreak and disappointment our heart becomes ice cold and our heart we become bitter and we become salty and we become angry at the world. And that is what I chose to do. That was my character development is like, okay, you know, instead of, you know, forgiving, I became bitter. I became salty, salty AF and salty at everything and salty that I, my leg was hurt, salty that Becky took my opportunity. I mean, I was going to win the whole entire um, Royal Rumble and main event. 
you know, why, maybe I was planning on staying, um, staying underneath the ring the whole entire time and then hitting some, um, Charlotte or whoever last was with a chair. I have a plan. I mean, I have a freaking amazing plan. So yes, I'm salty. And then I was, you know, t imagine having a best friend like Naomi and you're t always have her back and you're teaming with her every week. And then like, you know, I can't compete because of my leg. Of course I'm salty, you know? And I think that's like, I started to use that on Twitter and on um, YouTube and these places because, you know, on SmackDown Live, there's only, it's only a two hour show. And sometimes you're not given mic time because there's a lot of talent and you can only do so much on a two hour show. So it was like, I started expressing these things on Twitter and YouTube and on social media. And I was getting a lot of heat from it. People are getting really angry. And I just cracked up because I'm like, wow, you guys are just biting on my bait. So easy. <laughs> and like, literally, God, I love being a villain. It's so much fun. And, you know, then I made a salty video that, you know, Ron rumor had it that Ronda Rousey took my spot on Total Divas. Of course <laughs> I'm salty. I mean, she's not a reality star. She's an MMA, WWE star. I mean, of course, WWE stars, we can be reality stars. So all of this was like, you know, a version of Lana, the ravishing Russian character becoming very, very bitter and salty. And I was just using character development on my social medias. And um, so I'm like, how can I get heat? Like, I want to get booed. And it, it worked. Like, people were just fighting on the bait. And it's really, for my own entertainment, a lot of times, just being like, wow, God, this is so much fun. It's interesting because you've been around long enough now that I think like anybody, not even just in the WWE, but in the entertainment business in general, I'm sure you've had these feelings of being close to opportunities, feeling like they've slipped away from you. Is that something that helps fuel you when you, when you do something like this, uh, you know, on social media, on TV, are those uh, real emotions that you can kind of tap into? I think you always have to, to do any good um, performance, acting performance, if it's, you know, in a movie, on TV, WWE, whatever you're doing, you know, play, you, know, you have to tap into real emotions. That's what good acting is. It's finding an extension of yourself. And some things are that extension is much further. And so you have to do a lot more digging. But um, you have to like ask yourself those questions. I mean, I recently had a uh, conversation with Zelina um, Vega and she was like, well, what would get my care? I don't know why my character would do this. And I was like, when we, I was like, I'm stuck in that position a lot, a lot of times. I'm like, why would they want me to react a certain way or be a certain type of way? And then th the question I asked myself is what would make me, what would make CJ do this in life? Like what would get, what would push me to this extent? What would circumstance would put, push me to this extent that would make me act this way? And when you start that, when it's hard and you can't figure it out, that's when you start asking that, yourself that question. What would make me do this in life? What circumstance? And you have to, sometimes you have to really dig deep and try to find it. Sometimes it's harder than others, but like, that's our job. That is, you know, our job is to find the extension of ourselves. And sometimes it's a lot easier than others. But with the salty thing, I just think it's very, very relatable. I mean, people are salty all the time. People are <laughs> salty when they sit in traffic. People are salty about the rain. People were salty when, I mean, I was laughing my little butt off when I was like, you know, all salty and the, all of Twitter is salty that I'm salty. And then the next thing you know, Oscar drops the title and all of Twitter is salty. And I'm like, hello, I'm glad that you guys are finally getting on board on, on the salty train, on the salty club. You know, they're quick to be salty. They're always salty. You know, and I, you know, they, the WWE universe doesn't like to hear that, but they're always salty about <laughs> everything. And, you know, it's like, please don't, don't freaking, don't freaking point at the little speck in my eye when you have a freaking plank in your eye. So, you know, I do what I do. I like to keep it 100. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm thinking back and I remember because I, I you and I spoke for a, a different podcast a while back and I remember you speaking with a lot of passion and a lot of excitement about the opportunity that you and uh, and Rusev had uh, to work on a regular basis as sort of pr the protagonist to John Cena 
um, and kind of just going yeah. out, having match after match, and learning different ways to kind of be that that villain, to be that counterpoint to essentially the biggest star, the biggest hero in WWE at the yeah. time. Now, since then, you've had a taste of maybe being those heroes, as you kind of alluded to before, being on the, uh, you know, the shoe being on the other foot. Where, where do you feel now that you or you guys together, like, where did you prefer? What do you like better? And, uh, like, what was kind of tougher to navigate from a career perspective and a creative one? Well, I mean, whatever they give me, I, I, I will do, and I'll do it to the best of my ability. And I, I think I can do both pretty well um, as, a, um, as a villain or a superhero. As a good guy or a bad guy, I think I can, you know, do at this point, like, okay, whatever you need, boss. If this is what you need, great. I will grab the brass ring doing it. Um, but I do think I have more fun being a villain, definitely. Um, I think as a, as a, as a in-ring competitor, I think, um, I can be, I do the, I can't, you know, way if you're getting into like specific terminologies of wrestling, like I know I sell well, I know I, you know, can get sympathy, the crowd, but it's just so much more fun being a villain. I mean, come on, like, let's think about it. Do we want to count our blessings or do we want to complain? When do people <laughs> bond more? You know, like I look at the locker room, the locker room always bonds a little bit more when we're being salty and complaining than versus like, oh, hashtag blessed. Now, don't get me wrong. I count my blessings and I start my morning of counting my blessings. And I am extremely, extremely, extremely grateful for being for I'm a, for all the things that I get to do in my life. So CJ Perry is saying, no, you should be grateful. You should count your blessings. The ravishing Russian Lana says, no, let's all be salty together. You know, <laughs> she brings the Russian side out. Uh, so, but that's the, that's that once again, that's where it goes. You, when you ask, you go, are, is it a version of the truth? Well, the version of the truth is the reality is people usually, if you think about it, if you actually stop and think people bond a little bit more over complaining than they do over like, you know, for sure. That's, uh, you know, counting, you know, and, and, and that's why Twitter bonds. <laughs> They're always complaining. Hey, that's why, and, that's why uh, we're here at 411 Mania. That's what's keeping us in business. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, and so that's why I'm like, I take that version of the truth and I run with it. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be salty. Um, but I love being a bad guy. I know, you know, as a good guy, um, when you're undeniably popular, when you're undeniably popular, let's say like Becca E. Lynch right now, or um, John Cena, um, he, you know, you, you, don't, you're un, you don't have to beg for it. You're undeniably popular. So you can go out there and do anything and you're going to get cheered. When you're lukewarm, uh, like when you're, okay, you're a popular good guy, but not undeniably, it's a little bit harder to like provoke for that. You can like you can definitely get it and you can definitely make the match right and tell the right story and, you know, tell a simple good versus evil story in a match or, you know, in a promo and definitely get that reaction. But it's just like, for me as a bad guy, I know I can go out there and I can turn the crowd. Like, I know I can get a cheer when I come out and I know I can turn that crowd. Hand me the microphone and give me 20 seconds and the whole place will be booing me, booing me out of the building. The loudest boo. And I know mm. that, like, because I do that at live events. Mm -hmm. Lucif and I will come out and they'll cheer for him and I'll get cheered and I take that microphone and I can turn that crowd in 30 seconds the place we're getting booed out of the building so and that's now that's like last month working with Mike the Miz or a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago so I'm very like comfortable maybe just also you know if I've been with the company for five years four years I've been a villain and one year if you take my first run as a baby face like six months and my second one is like about a year so, you know, that might be it too, but you just have so much more fun. I mean, if you can cheat, as like, why not cheat? Of course I'm going to cheat if I'm a bad guy. Like, I love cheating. Like, why wouldn't I try to cheat to win? So much more fun. So, yes, my answer would be I enjoy being a bad guy. It's so, you're, I enjoy, you're I enjoy stirring the um, pot. Like, when I come out there and I'm like, Stirring the pot, stirring the pot on Twitter, stirring the pot on the microphone, stirring the pot in wrestling, in the ring. It's just amazing. I love it. 
I literally, I find it, it gives me so much joy to my heart. And um, then, you know, the, the good guys always win and the good guys kick my butt. And seeing that gratification of like all the people so excited to see the good guys kick my butt is like, I'm like, oh, I had a part of getting that good guy this reaction because I did mm -hmm. my part so well. And you had a lot of fun messing with people. We're going to be fielding questions from a lot of fans from 411 Wrestling, from Twitter, from all over social media. I think you are probably looking forward to messing with these people just as much as you are answering questions. Uh, but oh, yeah, before, <laughs> well, before we get there, CJ, I, I think there's something else we need to hit on that. I don't think everybody knows about you. And, uh, you know, that's the fact that Aside from everything else in, that you do in wrestling, everything you've done in acting, you're also huge into the comic book world. Uh, and that's yeah. something that is really coming to light now because you've got this unbelievable uh, opportunity that's, uh, that you've put out there for the people. Uh, do you want to talk about that? This is something called Dark Country, right? Yeah. Dark Country um, comic. Um, very, very, very excited about. Um, I'm um, collaborating and writing a comic with Jason Starr, who is a very uh, well-known comic um, writer and novelist, and uh, he's written um, comics for The Punisher and um, Deadpool and many other great comics and um, novels, thriller novels. And we're called Rusev and I, Miroslav and I, are um, collaborating with him and writing our first comic, which I'm so excited. I'm a huge comic book fan. I'm a huge, um, anything to do with fantasy. I mean, I kind of probably anything to do with like major, like good versus evil, but I just love like, you know, anything to do with sci-fi or, you know, Star Wars was always my favorite um, movies growing up, still is. Um, Harry Potter, um, Lord of the Rings, anything to do with like magic and fantasy and um, watch Star Trek going, growing up. I love all the Marvel and DC comics. I read them, I read them, um, watch all of it from TV to the movies. Um, and it just always was my dream to write a comic and it was just like finding the right person and finding the right idea. So it's really exciting that we, we've already, um, mapped out and written started like almost finished writing the first um comic and now we we wanted to take uh make the our fan base and all our followers on instagram and twitter and the wwe universe and the comic uh, world a part of our journey and a part of us creating this comic book and so we decided to issue a instead of just hiring an artist um we wanted to issue a challenge and issue um, uh, is a, for a paying gig. The artists would get paid, but um, also like to be able to collaborate with us, collaborate with Joseph and I, Miroslav uh, and um, Jason and I, and um, you can submit it. The deadline is May 1st. So it's coming up um, May 1st. You could submit to dark country comic at gmail.com. Submit your art. And um, we're going, I mean, we've gotten some amazing um, already submissions. We issued it April 1st and um, we've gotten some amazing, 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 amazing um, people already. So um, just keep on submitting. And it's really, really cool to read these emails. I and mean, I personally have read every single one and I have gone, Rusev and I have gone through every single one personally and Jason has. And it's really like cool to see what, you know, people have sent and the, what they've written. And um, we just want to uh, issue it to everyone and make that announcement and have people keep on sending stuff. Um, May 15th, we'll make the announcement. Uh, and then, you know, we're going to be sharing the collaboration as we go. It's going to be documented and everything. And you just never know. Like, I, I just, I'll, some people in these emails were like, oh, we were scared to submit. And like, you know, our uncle encouraged us, like, submit it, submit it, submit it. Like, don't be afraid. Like, and that's the whole part of why we're giving this opportunity is because we want to give people that might have never had this chance an opportunity. Someone gave me an opportunity. Someone gave Rusev an opportunity. Someone gave Jason an opportunity. And it's like, we want to give others opportunity. And um, so, yeah don't don't and don't be afraid is that's the what i really want to encourage is like some of these emails people were like we were so scared like even if you're scared submit it like don't let fear dictate your life like you have to run into your fear
Absolutely. So that's absolutely. my little announcement. <laughs> <laughs> and what a, you know, my what a great, <laughs> what a great creative team, even if you don't know anything about comic books or even if you don't know anything about yeah. what the premise of dark country is i'm pretty sure this conversation uh will convince you guys that cj perry that lana uh knows about good guys knows about bad guys knows how to tell a kick-ass story so this is going to be a great project to be involved with um people are curious about all aspects of your life we're going to start things off with djfa underscore e um, is there uh, anything in, you know, just in general that you miss from your time in Europe? And you and I, uh, in an older podcast, we talked all about your history, your life story. And for those who don't know, um, maybe you could summarize that a bit for people who don't really realize just how crazy your life has been. But you're, you're basically the real life Black Widow from, uh, from the MCU. Um, yeah. Tell us about, you know, where you've been in the world, in your life, and do you miss it? Do you have a calling elsewhere outside the U.S.? Well, I lived in Russia for 13 years, so I grew up over there in the former Soviet Union, Latvia. I speak fluent Russian. Um, I, gosh, I feel like I've been to like 80 countries. Um lived in South America when I was really little. I lived all over. Um, I might be like a secret agent or a double agent or a triple agent or quadruple agent who's the say? I like how you, like, you might you might you can't I say might, for sure I might I know <laughs> I can't give all you know, I can't give all that information away um but um def- you know most definitely probably a spy um no but I yes I, I miss Europe Europe is great um there, there is just a different pacing in um in Europe all of Europe and especially like Eastern Europe um I feel like America, we sometimes just get so caught up in our careers and like very, we're all workaholics. We, we'd never take it, hardly ever take a vacation. If it is a vacation, it's only a week there in Latvia, they have month vacations. Um, like you get a month at least off in the summer. And so it's just a different, you know, they have lunch hours for a couple hours, everything shuts down. And it's just like, you're able to be able to spend time a little bit more together. And I think that's a, you know, everything is, food is served on china beautiful china instead of paper plates and um it's just a different you know the the art and culture is really valued over there and here it's like american football and um potato chips and hot dogs <laughs> um i mean i'm stereotyping a little bit but you know that there is that version of the truth um and it's just there's culture and music and art is really really valued over there and i i miss that i miss the value of um the value of just taking your time and having dinner and eating for hours and talking and eating and talking and eating and talking and eating versus everything here is more rushed. Like, go, go, go. We're going to miss the next thing. We're going to miss it, miss it. And I get caught. I'm, I get caught up in that myself. Like I'm not saying I'm a victim of it. And I think I, that's why I miss that because, you know, it's kind of like, no, it's okay. You sit down, like watch the sunset, like just relax enjoy life, talk to each other, go to a museum, go to a ballet, you know, just enjoy life. And I think that we as Americans, and I'm saying that as myself as well, can, um, can do more of that. Do you, do you feel like a, a pulling, a yearning someday, maybe beyond your WWE career uh, at some point to go back there on a more permanent basis? Um, probably. Edward and I talk about that a lot. I mean, I know he will love to have his, um, you know, to buy a house that we already bought a house there for his parents. Um, and, but we would love to buy another house there eventually and maybe live there half the year, live there in the summers. Um, and I think it's really good to raise children over there. I, I raised, was raised over there and and really defined my life. I, I think the reason why I am a really good storyteller and I am so creative is because I grew up with only one TV in our house and had no cable. My mom refused to have cable. We only were able to have, um, is it VHSs? Is that what we called them? (laughs) I forgot. Yeah. Back in the day. Um, (laughs) Yes. And that was the only way I could watch wrestling or Super Bowl or any American, star track my grandmother would tape it and send it to us and so the, we were only allowed to watch that at a limited time and the rest of my mom was like go play outside go play outside and so you know we would 
create so much. You know, I would put on plays, I put on ice skating shows, um, dog shows, um, musicals. I was always creating, and um, I had four siblings, and um, we had the, everyone in the neighborhood, and we would just create and play. And I think it really stimulated my mind to be able to use my imagination. And I mean, look at what Walt Disney did with imagination. Mm. Sure. So yeah. Absolutely. So I'm, yeah. I I do think it's very important. I want my kids to be able to have that. I don't want them just to be defined by like social media or um, you know the latest technology. Like that is great, and social media and technology is a, a an incredible, powerful tool, and it's amazing. But at the same time, like we cannot just be glued to that. We have to be able to. Um, you know, un unleash our imagination and use our minds. And um, I think we have to turn all of that off. If not, we don't connect with one another. We, we just connect with that social media, the people we don't know versus the people we do know. And also we don't fully use our imagination. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned Walt Disney. Uh, how about Vince McMahon? You know, you live in a world that's created by a guy who essentially fuels it with imagination. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. No, totally. Vince is incredible. Um, I adore Bellas from Twitter. Would like to know how many more years do you have in mind to uh, continue uh, wrestling or to be a WWE superstar? Oh, gosh, that's such a hard question. I mean, I love WWE so much. There's no greater thing in the world um, than I love than the WWE universe. I mean, we have a love-hate relationship, but at least they feel passionate about me. They love me one second, boo me the next, but at least we're passionately feeling an emotion towards each other. And I, that's what I love about the WWE universe is like they feel something strongly towards me. And I'm very, very thankful for that. And I love it. There's nothing more in the world than I love than performing in front of the WWE universe. So I would like to do it as long as I can long as they'll have me that's fair um, i love it i mean i absolutely there's no adrenaline rush that you have then when i walk out of that curtain and i'm either wrestling or talking on the microphone and i truly truly love that and i, I would like to wrestle as long as i can and um there's no greater rush and i i love the challenge and i love learning i'm always learning um i just as a human i just love to continue to grow and learn and I feel like that's what I'm always doing in wrestling I love that and um also you know like maybe at some point you know I might be too not young enough to wrestle anymore I don't know um but I would love to be you know I don't want to say Paul Heyman of the women's division but um or even of the women's and nails division but I you know I would love to I want to be the first Lana, the first ravishing Russian, but to be able to be a mouthpiece, there's so many internationals coming in, so many people you know, from China, Japan, India, Africa that are coming through the Performance Center in Orlando and NXT, and a lot of these people don't speak fluent English or don't, you know, don't speak English at all, and sure. they're going to need mouthpieces. They're going to need, like, that's the whole point of a manager, is back in the day, they gave people managers because they couldn't talk very well as well as these other um as maybe their mouthpiece but now it's like people might be able to be amazing at promos but they might not be able to speak english and so it's like i mean oscar's a perfect example i mean she's incredible oscar's one of my favorite wwe superstars she's an incredible character incredible in ring and i'm so excited that she has Paige now as her mouthpiece and um because you know, we need, she needs to be, we need to be able to convey more things than she can just like a couple sentences. And even though her couple sentences are very powerful whenever she does talk. Um, and so I would love to do that. And, you know, hopefully I can do that until I'm a hundred or something. until I, you know, come out there and represent people that need to be represented. And I talk for them. I'm their, I'm their negotiator. I'm their agent. I'm their person that what they want to tell the WWE universe, I get to say because they don't speak fluent English. You know, it's amazing. The WWE, the universe gets bigger as the world is getting smaller, and that's creating more and more opportunity for someone who can yeah. see like you. So that really is, a, yeah. you know, till you're 100, that, that, you know, that's totally That feasible. would be my dream. I would do that for the rest of my life if I could. I mean, as movies and TV shows, they're great. I've done it. It's fun, but it's nothing like performing in front of a live audience. I mean, I 
the, in performing in front of the WWE universe. Like I am, I'm not that person that's come to this business just to create a name for myself and to leave. No, I, there's nothing more I love than um, performing and entertaining and telling stories to the WWE universe. Here's a question that I think you hinted at before, at least we can kind of surmise based on the life story that you, you summarized for us. Philip uh, Pajic would like to know how hard was it for you to maintain a Russian accent when you were using that uh, on camera, on screen? I mean, I just have to talk slower. I talk really, really fast. And so I think it's more sometimes harder for me to talk with no accent, to be quite honest. Um, because I talk really fast and then I listen to myself back and I'm like whoa I need to (laughs) slow down um so when I was doing on the rush the full Russian accent that that wasn't hard I mean it it just once I got into that mindset I grew up around Russians I grew up around um people with accents so it was just like I just talked like that all the time and I felt like it was um sometimes when I talk without an accent I talk fast and I have to remind really fast so I talk really fast in real life and I have to remind myself to like kind of slow down a little bit um and so that is a little bit of a challenge I think a little bit of the challenge more was um probably last year I was told they wanted to me to lessen my accent constant like lessen 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 my accent until I had no accent and so I kept on doing that and I think that it just we get a little irritated, like not even irritating because you just can't get irritated. But um, with the WWE universe that they would be like, oh, she's going in and out of the accent. It's like, no, I'm not going in and out of the accent. I'm purposely talking with less of an accent. <laughs> why? why? <laughs> it, it leads to a question, like, no, actually. Everything I do is on purpose, so calm down. <laughs> Um, It leads to a great question, um, a related question from IG88. Uh, When was the word given for you to drop the accent? You're talking about that already. But uh, I guess the second part of the question is, why was the decision made just to fade it out and not call it out or point it out? Uh, Like with Kofi Kingston, when he dropped his accent, they actually mentioned it on TV. Uh, For you, it just kind of faded away. Why was that the call? Um, well, you're the asking me questions way above my pay grade. So um, <laughs> they want to they want to call the chairman and ask him that. Um, maybe he might know. Uh, who's to say? But um, no, I mean, look, this is WWE. Everything is situational. Everything it changes minute, literally minutely. You know, we sometimes find out what we're doing 30 minutes before we go live. Um, you just do like after you've been. I don't ask a lot of questions. Like. This isn't, I, my job is to execute whatever they want to the best of my ability. And great. I mean, this isn't, people think we're characters at the end of the day. It's, it's like a movie, a TV show. It is a TV show. And, um, you know, you just do, if that's what they want, if they don't have, like I said early on the last, like what we were talking about before is like two hours. You only have so much to explain on a two hour TV show. Raw has a lot more time, three hours. It really does make a difference, that extra hour. And so they told me, it was about probably around this time last year, they wanted me to lessen my accent to eventually have no accent. I said, okay. And um, I, I was like, they, were, they never gave any explanation. And um, I think we were turning good guy. Maybe they thought the Russian thing was sounded harsher. I don't know. I really don't know. I just do what I'm told. So I'm like, okay, great. I mean, maybe next week I'll have an accent again. You just never know. And <laughs> I, keep, I like to keep everyone on my toes. I mean, maybe everything I'm saying right now is not even true. You never know. Well, you are. You're like a quadruple yeah. spy, maybe, kind of, sort of. No, exactly. Uh, I know. Like, who's saying I'm working on right now? <laughs> Do you even no, know? About <laughs> so, you know, that's the cool thing about WWE. It's like you literally never know what's going to happen. We don't know what we're gonna, what's going to happen. So you just go show up and you do it. And you do it to the best of your ability. And um, so cool. That's what they want. Got it. Let me do it to the best Here- of my ability. Here's an interesting related question as well from Dozy, um, and we're going to drill into this in a bit of a different way. They, they wanted to know, do you think your time without the accent on Total Divas 
uh, hurt or affected your character on WWE TV at the time. But I think that opens up a larger question, which is, like, how do you feel about kind of the differential between what people see from you guys on Total Divas at the same time that they're watching you guys play different characters on WWE? Do you think that's kind of an uphill battle sometimes to be able to maintain one or both of those personas, so to speak? No, no, I think it's, it's two separate TV shows. It's two separate TV shows, two separate networks. I don't think it um, at all like affected. Actually, I talked in a full accent. I mean, I was on the season um, Total Divas for three seasons, and the first two I talked in full, very thick Russian accent. So it didn't at all affect it. And they, um, I do know that, that, um, you know, our, the chairman and our bosses, they were always, you know, that question I would always, and they go, no, that's two separate TV shows. They're completely separate. And so one doesn't affect the other. And I think if anything, it showed, um, for me, um, individually, for me, CJ Perry, it, actually gave me more liberty to um, actually be myself and have interviews like this. Because if I wouldn't have been on Total Divas, I wouldn't be having interviews like this. I would, if I did, it would be full on an accent. And so before Total Divas, I would have to do media full on an accent, like morning, morning shows, an accent, radio shows, an accent, red carpet shows on accent. So for me, personally, I'm actually really happy I was I did that because I'm able to show like, no, actually, I do play I am a character and that character the ravishing Russian Lana she is an extension of myself but she is an extension of myself and I do speak perfect English and I do speak perfect Russian and I get the show both because of Total Divas so I'm actually very thankful for that cool and like I said you never know like next week I could show up and all of a sudden I'm speaking in a Russian accent or a Japanese accent or I'm learning Japanese by the way you know because we're with Shinsuke and so I've got to communicate with him um Rusevich learning Japanese too so like you never know and cool they want or a southern accent hey maybe Kofi it's never a dull moment I love it it keeps me on my toes you could pick up Kofi's old Jamaican accent. They just dust it off exactly. and give it to you. Sure. Boom. Done. And guess what? <laughs> I can do it because Lana's the best Lana number one. <laughs> Pro writer. That's the reason why, the reason why I, um, for, all, for all the smart marks out there, that's the reason why I don't talk without an accent anymore is because I've lived Lana, the ravishing Russian, has lived here for six years, and she's the best, and she's number one, and she's capable of speaking perfect English or of perfect Russian or whatever you need because she's the best and she's number one. It's all well and, and good, but I, I, I don't know this smart mark you speak of. Don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, I don't know what that is. What is that? What's, <laughs> huh? Uh, well, one guy who yeah. I know is not one of those, um, he, he emailed us, uh-huh. pro writer. He wants to know, and I guess it's a he, I guess I'm jumping to conclusions, but pro writer wants to know, uh, how long did you train before you actually got into the ring, and how often do you still train these days? Um, when I first started, um, well, I first started NXT, I was training, um, but I was brought up really quick, and that was 2013. I was, I mean, I was learning just you know, how the bump and hit the ropes and, you know, headlock takeover. And, um, you know, there's a lot you need to learn in wrestling. They say it takes 10,000 hours to be a master at anything. Um, so I was, um, brought up really quickly with the Rusev and I would get in the ring whenever I could with Goldust or fit, um, with Miro, um, with Rusev. Um, Goldust taught me a lot, like especially the first, um, like the first year and a half I'm just getting in the ring with him I think because no one wanted to get in the ring with me as in um like people were didn't want to get me they didn't want me to get hurt because they had such big plans for Rusev and um they're like oh my gosh she's a mouse like we, if she gets hurt it hurts the gimmick and so Goldust would get in with me and teach me because I'm like no I want to keep on learning I want to keep on learning and I would just get in with him anytime and then um, Fit started teaching me and um, just learning from Fit and Goldust. And then um, I was able to finally, um, probably a co- like maybe a month or two before I debuted in 2016, I started to um, go down the NXT, back down the NXT on my off days. And um, just, you know, because I live in Nashville and NXT is in Orlando. And I would go down there on my off days and I would train and um, probably for about another 
year I did that as well as just, I would go down there like every other week, um, sometimes every week and go, but I was also on the road full time. So it was like juggling a lot being, you know, going there on Wednesday, Thursday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then flying out on Friday for the live events. And, um, so I would try to do a live, um, wrestle at a live event down in NXT on a Thursday. And, uh, so just trying to get the most, it was just, it, 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 most people, when they wrestle, they just throw themselves in there. But I was juggling, you know, being on a reality show, getting uh, married, um, managing and being on the road full time and trying to learn how to wrestle and, you know, get wrestling matches. So it's, um, it was a lot, but I love it. And then Rusis got um, injured for a couple months and I was able to go down to NXT and just be down there a couple months, which helped a lot. I learned a lot. And then, the last couple of years, like, I guess the last year and a half, I've been just wrestling at all the live events, which has, I mean, it's incredible how much that helps. And I come early and I work, I'll get in with Sid or with the girls or 205, whoever's there to get in, um, and wrestle with the girls and, um, and we'll just practice and, um, whoever's available for me to beat up or get beat up by and, um, then have the matches. And yes, I do keep on training. I, go to fit Finley's house in Atlanta whenever I can. Um, he has a ring in his house and I train there just wanting to learn, always hungry. Brian How Kendrick teaches me. Brian Kendrick is amazing. I've gone out to LA to his place several times. Um, I've gotten in the ring, I get in the ring a lot with Brian Kendrick before. He's incredible. He's an incredible teacher as well. Um, yeah. And some people just really have a skill of teaching, but it was just not so much. But Rusev is just, I'm like, how do I do that? It's like, bump. I'm like, how do I, how can I do this? He's just like, bump, jump higher, jump higher. I don't understand, jump higher. I'm like, not everyone's a super athlete, you know? So no one had to like break it down. He just does it because he's so athletic. And he's a super athlete. Like I call him, he really is. And, but Brian Kendrick, on the other hand, is like, like literally, I go, how do you, you're such a good teacher. You will literally break everything down. You're like, oh, and then all of a sudden you start doing it. Some people have a gift of teaching. Perusif has a gift of fighting, not teaching. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, though, because I think it takes uh, an interview, a conversation like this for people to really learn about everything that you've done and that you continue to do on that side of things. Uh, You know, it's it's just not something that people would know otherwise. It's not something you see on TV. It's not something that, you know, people would assume, which is kind of a shame, but... It's great that, uh, yeah, we're getting it out there. Yeah, uh, so I'm very, I'm very thankful for, um, like, even I don't post a lot of this stuff on social. Um, mm-hmm. So people really don't know because I, I, I just, I'm not, I mean, I'm a lot of times I might be in the ring with girls that I'm like, you know, either teaming with or teaming against. And I just like, I know that some people would do that. Like Eva Marie would do it or whoever, but, and that's great. But like, I just, I, I kind of keep that door that, door shut I think it's not for you know I'll talk about it but um it's like on Total Divas like I was very lucky to show my in-ring journey on Total Divas I'm very very thankful for that because if it wasn't for that people would not have any idea so I'm very very thankful that I was able to show that and um on the show but you know just uh, a lot of it is you know it's just pulling the curtain back too far, I feel, for my, for my social media and for, you know, the respect of people that I'm in the ring with. Is your curtain pulled back a lot further at, at, for your personal life I'm talking about now than before the Total Diva experience, even though you're not on the show anymore? Has that comfort level uh, increased permanently for you guys to put yourselves out there and your, your lives out there for the world to see a bit? Um, what's, sorry, what's the exact question again? Well, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is before Total Divas, I'd have to imagine yeah. you weren't, you weren't very comfortable or very used to the idea of cameras following you around, of people knowing all these different aspects of your life away from the ring. You're not on the show yeah. anymore, but do you still feel kind of that urge to, you know, put more videos out and to put your lives out there and to have that connection with the world? Oh, for sure. Definitely. Absolutely. 
I mean, I, I love having that connection with the world. I love, I love sharing my journey. I love sharing it, you know, and like kind of makes it for me personally, like setbacks and disappointments and even failures kind of worth like worth it a little bit more if I can share it because I'm like, you know, I'm human. I'm, I'm flawed. I make mistakes all the time. And, you know, I, I'm, I enjoy, I try to learn from it. I try to grow from it. And I, I enjoy sharing that because I hope that my experience will encourage someone else. My experience will help someone else get through maybe their disappointment, their setbacks or their failures. And it's like, you know, there are something like something that a mistake they made, like they're not alone. And, um, it's, it's okay if we make mistakes as long as we learn from them and like, try our best not to make it again and so yes I do I, I do miss it and it help, I mean, maybe it just helps me feel better when I'm like oh it's worth it like what just happened is worth it because I'm helping someone else um but I hope to be able to you know I, I try to do it on social media but like hopefully there'll be more opportunities to share our um my um life journey with it was our family journey more great flying high emailed and would like to know what is your favorite WWE match of all time? My favorite WWE match of all time. Anything with Rusev and I. <laughs> Anything that Rusev is in or I'm in. Um, no, I mean, I do think Rusev is incredible. I watch just like, all, like a lot of his matches and I'm like blown away. Um, I really really liked Rusev and Roman's match at Hell in the Cell mm -hmm. that there were a lot of their stuff is like I just love their I, they were they're incredible they have incredible chemistry and it's really exciting Roman is actually on Smackdown Live because I'm hoping that you know um once again we'll be able to face him I mean Rusev I mean they're just these two big guys that are super super athletic and you know they're big and they're you know, obviously attractive men and um, it's just like, whoa, a lot of athleticism and they had an incredible, incredible matches and incredible chemistry. And um, I always really enjoyed watching it ringside and always even watching it back. Like I think those might be some of Otis's favorite ones, but probably of all time would be um, WrestleMania 18, um, The Rock versus Hogan. Okay. WrestleMania. That that's, that's like, great. that was just like a, such a electrifying match. Like if you actually see, if you watch it, it's like how they listened to the crowd, how they, um, how they acted. It was just like, and that's when you, that's when I go, Oh God, I love the WWE universe so much because they really do have such a part of our, um, they really do have such a part of our show. Like they, when they're so into it, booing or cheering or just having an emotional reaction to what we're doing, it just makes it so much greater. And that's just, that's literally an electrifying um, match to me. That's a great, great and choice. It wasn't like, it wasn't just, you know, we, we're in this time that it's all this high flying and, you know, almost like I'm watching gymnastics and almost watching Cirque du Soleil or watching like, Seriously, I'll watch some of these high flyers, and it's great. It reminds me of my breakdancing friends and at Florida State, and they're doing all these breakdancing moves, and that's great. That's great. That's wonderful. But I think that we cannot forget that it cannot just it cannot be just about moves. We are storytellers. We ha we have to have emotion. Without emotion and just a bunch of moves, it's like it's no different than like watching a gymnastics routine at the Olympics, which I love. I watch it. Great, but this is a fight. And this is also, we have, like, you make me feel something. I don't want to just be like, oh, that's a cool move. That's cool. That, whoa, that was cool. That was like some head spins or some windmills. My, that was really cool. Like my breakdancing friends. No, make me feel something. Like I want to connect with like either booing you or cheering you or make me feel something. Cause this is like that we're storytellers. We're not just athletes. Yes, we are athletes, but we're also storytellers. That and being said, that being said, what's the favorite match that so far you've been in, that you've had, that you've competed in? Um, God, I have, I have several. Um, I have several for so many different reasons. Like, sometimes I watch matches back and I literally am laughing my butt off because I'm like, I'm insane. Like, I'm literally out of my mind. Like, I will watch things back that I'm like, I can't believe what happened to me. Like, what took over me? There was... Um, 
probably of just like having freaking fun and ridiculousness was like a couple of the mixed match challenge matches that I had. I just like, I watched back and I was laying on the floor. I'm like, I am out of my mind. And you know, all of a sudden, and this is why I like being a bad guy because I'll just like cheat. And um, we had a match against, it was Rusev and I against um, AJ and Charlotte. And we had a chopping contest, a chop off, a chop off contest. <laughs> <laughs> and you're supposed to only chop once and I couldn't make a chop sound on Charlotte so I just went nuts and like kept on hitting her like a crazy person and then you know it's Charlotte Flair like I don't know if, you know like her chops I don't know if you like wow talk about right. pain I think I was bruised for days and I watched this back and I just been laying on the floor I'm like and it went viral it went into like the millions I'm like this is what it's all about once again emotion and uh, but that was just like so much fun and like stuff that I did with uh, Naomi like we we went out there for the mixed match challenge we were supposed to have a little dance battle and both of us I mean we're dancer former ex-dancers former professional dancers so mm -hmm. like that we always say like that was like a decade ago we were professional dancers you know and they think we're like we can't bust out the same moves we did in 1993 no not really but that's how it feels mm -hmm. um and um <laughs> So we're like, oh God, I don't know. What are we going to do? We're both nervous. And then all of a sudden the music hits and we just keep going, like going. Each of us are just trying to outdo each other, outdo like whatever you can do, I can do better. Just going and going. And the boys are like, we have like Miro's getting my attention. Like, and we're just like, we've, we've gotten lost in our dance battle. And we watched it back. I'm literally, I was dying. I was like, I don't know what came over us. We just got lost and having fun of who could dance better and so those are such great moments and so fun um that you know you really get to see us just having a lot of fun um that's what i love about mixed match challenge um but i think like when it comes to just like competitive um probably my money in the bank ladder match um last year at money in the bank um i was really proud of that um i don't think anyone could have thought i would have a ladder match um a lot of people were like oh i bet you wish you weren't wrestling anymore and weren't wrestling because you have a ladder and i'm like no i'm excited to have a ladder match and i i that was so much fun i hope to be in the ladder match again this year it was it was great it was a lot of fun and i enjoy challenges and it's a very high stake match and i want to be in high stake things i want to be in high stake situations high stake matches and so that i was very proud of well, you know, we, we've skipped over an entire high-stakes part of your career before you ever even came to WWE, but Gary Sparrow emailed, and he wants to know how much fun it was working on the Pitch Perfect movies, which you were in two of them. Um, what was that experience like for you to do the first and then to come back and be part of it again? Oh, it was so much fun. The girls are great. I, the first movie, I, I was there for like three months. I was helping with rehearsal. I was like one of the team captain um, and a, like assistance to the choreographers. And um, I had to do Anna Kendrick's role and one of the boys' role. So I knew every single dance. I knew I was rehearsing with the boys, rehearsing with the girls, knew everything. It was so much fun. I'm still very close with the cast, very close with Skylar and Adam and... Um, Adam Devine and Brittany Snow, Kelly Jackal, all those girls, Anna Kendrick. Um, they're just such great people. I had so much fun. Um, and then coming back, it was like a little family reunion, a little, a little high school reunion. Um, so that was great. And I love them. I'm very thankful for those friendships and that experience. Cool. Um, so here's a great one. This may be my favorite question of all. Jim Leahy wants to know, was Rusev Day born on the day that Rusev entered this world or on the day that he married you? What exactly was the first Rusev Day? I would say the day he was born, right? <laughs> you know better than born. me. Well, actually, the, the day he was born. I mean, actually, if you talk, think about it, like, and um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but... Um, and over in Bulgaria and in Russia, they have names day. So, like, if your name is Lana, all the Lana celebrate Lana. If your name oh. is Rusev, all the people celebrate Rusev. And so, um, I would say at first was born to the world on Total Divas when I um, threw him um, a names day. And um, that's when Larry Steve was on there. And um, Naya and Seamus, and we had a boat party. 
very funny actually. Um, but um, so that's when it was born to the world. But I, um, of course, the day, the first of day was when he was born. Well, actually, no, I take that back. The first of day would have been on this. Gosh, that's a really hard question. Hmm. I guess I started the whole thing on Total Divas. I'm just going to take credit for it, actually. Well, this is your option. I'm just going to take credit. Since we can't make it, since I don't know, I'm just going to take credit for it. I think so. But I think you also get to <laughs> yeah, set the not? rules. So this is your shot to right. create the whole backstory now. Yeah. Perfect. You got I time. Like I like that. Yeah, like that. you set so the rules. Basically, it started when I threw the first elusive day on Total Divas on the boat when Larry Steve was introduced to the world. If you don't know who that is, that's Alexis is um, supposed to be small little pig. That is like a, literally a huge, huge, huge pig, like five times my size. Now you should check it on Instagram. And I go and watch and I laugh my little butt off again because I'm like, are you kidding me? That's your pet animal. Um, you sleep with it. So that was when the Rusev day was born. Um, yeah, on that. And then, you know, then he won. Ever, then I know it's history. Then he w beat Randy Orton. A ceremony happened. And Aiden started singing melodies. And then little children started singing melodies. And there it was. <laughs> That's it the most sense. beautiful. It's the most beautiful story ever told. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we got one more question for you, Alana. You've been so great with your time and so awesome answering all this wackiness. Uh, Radke emailed and would like to know, um, essentially, are, are you still training in the ring? And we've talked about your, your schedule, but now that you're back on TV and you're, being, you're focusing a little more on being a manager for Rusev, for Shinsuke Nakamura, are you planning to continue for the foreseeable future to also pursue that in-ring career? Yes, of course. I'm still, I'm still wrestling. I'm still training um, on TV. I'm managing the Rusev and Shin, but you know, like I said before, it's WWE. Anything can change at any given time. You just have to stay prepared. I love wrestling. Um, and so I know, I know I'm going to be wrestling again on TV and I am training. I stay training. Awesome. And I you love stay, that. I love wrestling. You stay on TV, people stay watching you, and you stay one of our favorite parts of uh, WWE SmackDown in the WWE universe at large. So we thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank and thanks you. to you guys for joining us this time out. Make sure you check us out. Thanks, Lana. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you hey, so you much. Too. Thanks. Bye.